Welcome back, Anime Death Spiral, the only anime podcast that is under sanction by the UN. I'm Nate. As always, I'm here with Remy, and uh, today I think we're going to start off talking about talking about the the big elephant in the room. Anime. Well, we'll get to that elephant. I guess there's oh. there's multiple there's room for multiple elephants in this room. There's something else. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say oh, okay. the the looming shadow of the media giant that is the new Final Fantasy VII game. I see. I see. Yes. It's an awkward topic, but uh, somebody's got to talk about it at some point. We've got to broach the Final Fantasy VII discussion somehow. Well, you know, after after the, the trauma of the last release, the national scar uh, that it left, um, I, a lot of people are really apprehensive around this one but we're here to dispel that fear i think yeah i have to say the reveal that zach's still alive was my personal 9-11 <laughs> never forget never forget i'm still not over it and the fact that they're putting zach on the front of the box i find really it's like rubbing it in my face you know what i mean i find it to be very disrespectful see he's on the front of the box now huh it's him uh sephiroth and cloud uh, the triumvirate right on the front of the fucking box. Wow. So obviously, I don't know. This is this is just me. I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy VII in all of its very variations. <laughs> you keep saying you've said it so much that I'm starting to think you're like you're setting up a front for some reason. I can't <laughs> imagine why, but I'm setting up the eventual <laughs> reveal that I've never actually played a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> you keep reading the cliff notes. You're like, I oh okay okay. Uh, his name is. Cloud? Okay, right, right, right. Where do they come up with these names? <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to get at is is you say it's Cloud, Zack, and, and Sephiroth on the cover. and Yes, the triumvirate. Yeah, that's that's hearkening back to... The Sasukura of Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tifa. Sorry, Aerith. No, they're fourth stringers. They're fucking pine riders. What I'm trying to get is it, it seems they're setting up a connection between these three characters and... What was it? What was the PSP game? Uh, Crisis Core? Uh, Crisis Core. With uh, An- Angeal and, and Gact uh, as the... Angeal. <laughs> Great name. Love it. Yeah. Uh, very, very subtle in its imagery. <laughs> yeah. They had already named a guy Sephiroth. So if they just named the other guy Seraphim, it might have been a little too close. <laughs> they might not have been able to get away with that one. So what I'm wondering is... You could be my angle or my devil. <laughs> my angle? <laughs> well, I, I, well, first of all, don't cut, don't cut short the role of, of Gact in that game. I think he was the, the carpet that really, that really brought it all together. Uh, you got to have pop star references. Uh, that, that's really what draws in the numbers. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, but I'm wondering if they're going to expand on on that whole like uh, lore sphere going forward in these games, uh, because I don't think they're getting fucking 70 year old Gact back to do more mocap for these. <laughs> if Angeal showed up outside of the context of like brief flashbacks, I would be very surprised because, frankly, he doesn't do very much even in the game that he's from? Well, he, he mostly serves as the tutorial character. He's in the beginning, and he kind of you know gives you some... 
some expository lore dumps about Zach and about about their past. He teaches Zach how to do squats. Yeah, as the, that's the origin of squats. Well, I mean, squats are a great exercise. It, it should be part of any any standard workout routine. Zach learned how to use the fucking Buster Sword by squatting. Well, that is not that hard for me to believe. You know, uh, we grew up in in the era where uh, of Roroni Kenshin, where all you need to do to get good at being a sword master is <laughs> is doing repeated overhead strikes. Yeah, chop wood, carry water, am I right? Yeah, uh, wax on, wax off, you know, Karate wax Kid. On, wax I've off. never seen that Absolutely. movie, you know? Karate Kid? I've never seen Karate Kid. I think there might be some weird, like, racial stuff if you go back and watch it today. Yeah, if, if I see it with not colored by nostalgia. Yeah, uh, you know... People really liked that Cobra Kai show. I never watched it, but I kept hearing really good things. Was that about an it. official thing? That always felt like, you know, a, a Hail Mary. I don't want to be mean to the guy, but you know, the whole thing is that it's it's the little kid bully, right? Yeah. From Karate Kid. It is the little and kid. And it's the same actor, and he's come back and started his own like not bully dojo, like reformed bully dojo. I'm not sure if the dojo is b- for bullies or not. Like I said, I I didn't actually go and watch it. <laughs> I I'm pretty sure Ralph Macchio does come back though, so it is an official sequel. Wild. I'm still probably not going to watch it. Uh, no, I'm not going to watch it, but I do think it's very funny. If I was ever going to watch like a Ted Lasso style show, it would definitely be Cobra Kai instead of Ted Lasso. <laughs> Okay, uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. So we talked about it before on an, an earlier episode a couple weeks ago, and you mentioned yes. that they were doing a two-part rollout for the demo. They did the second part of the demo. Yes. They, okay. <laughs> I've never seen. I've never seen a two-part demo before. I don't think uh, this truly is some very deranged shit going on. But they introduce the open world in the second part of the demo so final fantasy 7 is officially an assassin's creed game now (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, instead of towers they are chocobo benches uh which is fine it's funny it's funny you draw that comparison uh as as like assassin's creed as a nebulous open world game when they i keep hearing that that most recent assassin's creed that they just released Uh, is much smaller in scope and people are calling it like, oh yeah, they made a normal Assassin's Creed again. Wait, what was the last one? The last one I played was the Viking one. No, they've made, they've made more since then. What is it called? Assassin's Creed Mirage is not an open world game. It's just like a normal ass Assassin's Creed where, where you go, you know, from, you go through the story. It's like 11 hours long. Wow. That's, uh, well, you know, they did those, but they were like mobile games before. Frankly, I don't know why you'd want to do that because they were really on a roll when they were doing shit like Leonardo da Vinci was like the guy who sold you weapons and shit. That is the good Assassin's <laughs> so Creed cool. stuff. That's so fucking cool. I mean, that's pretty dumb, but they're like, you know, it's pretty cool. It's pretty dumb, it's but it's pretty very cool. dumb. It's supposed to be dumb. I mean, like the Viking one, the wraparound story is about how the characters who are outside of the anima, the animus, the an- an- the animus, an- anima. The Animus. I think it's the Animus. Animi. They're tracking down ancient aliens. <laughs> so that's where the story was when I was still playing them. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty wild. Also, I really like the Viking one because the kind of side mini game, this is kind of fucked up. 
I, I have to admit. You have to go scalping missionaries? You, well, you do, basically. The, <laughs> yeah. the side minigame is you you get your Viking crew together and you ride down a river and there's sort of like procedurally generated villages that you you run up on and just gank. You kill everybody. and So you, you go raiding. There's a raiding minigame. Yes, you raid villages as Vikings. You pop out and you kill everybody and you take all their shit, and that's your loot. And you use the loot to, like, build up your own village. It's, there's got to be a mod, right? There's got to be a mod out there to make you throw... Uh, axes like the Vikings in in that Merling miniseries, where they just move uh, uh, on a on a straight track line out of your hand. Those games are so glitchy. I would I would imagine you probably just do that anyway. Oh yeah, no, they, that's a reference. We meant to make it that way. Yeah. Oh, that was supposed to be that way. <laughs> um, that shit's fucked up. That's pretty fucked up. You know what a cool mod would be? Speaking of anime, since that's supposedly what this show's about. Uh, a Vinland Saga like skin of of Assassin's Creed would be fucking so cool. That would be really fucking. Yes, cool. it would be cool. I don't see how that would work. I mean, obviously, you would have to make essentially an entirely new set of character models and animations for those models to adapt the art style. Uh, because from what I've seen of the of the existing architecture of the characters in in the Viking Assassin's Creed, like it'd be like st- stretching a like a, a plastic mask <laughs> over over a hulking Hulk body. Anyway, uh, fucking Final Fantasy. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, if I, uh, real quick, uh, I mean, what did you think of the open world stuff that they teased in in that uh, demo? I I really. I'm really confused by it. Uh, I know I've been seeing people really, really into it. Uh, so I assume, like, it must open up and be uh, much more uh, interesting when you have access to, like, the whole thing. Uh, and when you open up the overworld map, it is kind of exciting seeing that that overworld that was just bad textures mm-hmm. <laughs> with some weird geometry that you just kind of wandered around and got into like very boring turn-based battles uh, that you would fast forward through. Uh, now becoming like a thing with many different uh, avenues to explore. There's, you know, all the chocobo stuff, right? You can ride these chocobos around and there are specific chocobo mechanics. The chocobos sniff out treasure. So you can follow these like, uh, <laughs> like cartoony uh pie on the windowsill like smells that you like drift along until you find i don't know like a a box full of potions or whatever like the witcher (laughs) yeah i guess so yeah (laughs) there are specific like mini boss monsters that you can track down for chadley who uh is again in the game he's made a return uh the worst character in final fantasy history (laughs) He triggers my primal urge to bully. It's like <laughs> Well, it's the it's the I short so pants much. and the knee socks, right? Yes. Like he just he looks like a little dweeb. He has sock garters. <laughs> there's something so wrong with that. That's kind of cool though. There there's different kinds of chocobos. Like there's some that can fly for some reason. Uh <laughs> I don't know why. Well, I mean, that makes that almost makes sense because in the original 
release of the game, right? Like Chocobos, you had th- your th- three basic varieties. You had the regular one, walk on land. You had one that could, you know, walk over mountains. And then you had yes. the, the super fancy one that could walk on water, right? Yes. Uh, they do not walk on water, though. They do not walk on water anymore. They squirt water down to the ground, propelling themselves upwards. Where's the water coming from? That's a that's a very good question. <laughs> it's up to your imagination. This is raising <laughs> more questions. I mean, this is raising a lot of questions. Uh, you you have to answer those yourself, unfortunately. I don't think there's a lore entry about where the water comes from. <laughs> All right, I got to uh, ponder on this. Yeah, you think about that. There's also unlockable chocobo armor, which made me uh, laugh grimly to myself. <laughs> <laughs> We've wrapped around. I was just thinking about... I was thinking about that in terms of like horse armor. It brought me back to that very specific point in time. We've wrapped around. It's like, oh, hey, this chocobo armor is only ten dollars. Yeah, I mean, in this one, I didn't see any, let's say, in-app purchases. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it did bring me back to a very specific point in time uh, and made me realize, man, we lost that battle so hard. Oh yeah, we got fleeced. We lost completely and utterly and and we knew it was gonna end up that way you know yeah i know i don't know maybe i'm cynical maybe i'm cynical i really thought you know at the time i thought it's good i because everybody is out here shit talking it right there was a big backlash when horse armor came out uh and people were pretty much united in 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 hatred of horse armor but we have just i mean we have lost it we com- we got crushed there. I mean, I'm trying to think of what the what the turning point was, and I think that as soon as it, the paying for the horse armor is obviously going to be more a more controversial approach than say what like <laughs> League or Dota kind of kind of went into. You mean hats? Which is hats? Yeah, you know. Yeah, hats. Uh, it, it, you give them the option of grinding it out and then incentivize them with the option of doing it the easy way, right? Yes. Uh, if if horse armor had been unlockable in the base game, but only by beating like an elder dragon god or whatever, <laughs> uh, or pay $10 to unlock it, uh, I think that you would have seen far less of a backlash and and DLC would be even worse than it is today. Yes, maybe, maybe. I think it's pretty bad today. I think we've we're seeing an extraordinarily bad version of it. I also think the thing that I didn't think of at the time was that, of course, we were already buying expansion packs. I was just think I was just about to say that, but yeah, you know, there was an ex- an expectation right with expansion packs that you were getting a significant add-on to to the overall game. It's not like, you know... Yeah, oh yeah. Like, oh, expansion pack comes with, you know, horse armor and and uh, this, like, exclusive item bundle, right? The way it is. Expansion packs are essentially more like the prestige DLCs that are coming out, like the like Blood and Wine for The Witcher. I, I personally, I think that the, the FromSoft uh, DLC stuff like those all have been like pretty pretty worth it in my mind sure i would say they add on a significant like um level of of gameplay that you can 
<laughs> you can get out of yeah, it. New, new campaigns. That was the standard that we were set, and that's yeah. because basically, like you know, Blizzard and stuff were putting out big fucking new campaigns for Diablo and StarCraft and stuff. I think where we really started going downhill, I was obviously for horse armor, but also the map packs for Halo. Remember those and COD? Yes. Yeah. I remember map packs. I played so much fucking Halo too. Uh, of course I remember map packs. Once they started charging like $40 to get three new maps, I think that was, uh, I, I did not like that at all. Well, you know, I knew, I knew that we had been so thoroughly crushed when, uh, just straight up openly gambling for children came out and there was no pushback, uh, <laughs> at least in our country and in, in America, <laughs> the great Satan. No, we saw it as a good thing. It was positive for the industry. Yeah. Not great. Not great. <laughs> anyway, you know, the final fantasy thing we're, we're here on the eve. I'm excited to play it. We'll see how it goes. I, I'm apprehensive, but, you know, I like the first one fine enough. I'm worried that, like, having to do a bunch of open world shit will, like, drag down the pace of the story so much that it'll get boring. But, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited to get Vincent. I mean, speaking of uh, Valentine's Day, Vincent Valentine. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for that. Uh, yeah. You know, you should play that Dirge of Cerberus game. Fuck no. I'm <laughs> never playing Dirge of Cerberus. Uh, you know what? Since we're talking about it, I actually played, and this is kind of funny. I, you know, I played the Final Fantasy demo like everyone else because it was, you know, that's the thing to do. Yeah, I guess you have a PS5. I got a PS5. Yeah. You know, I guess that's I guess that's a cool thing for you, you know? <laughs> it's pretty fucking cool, dude. It actually kicks ass. Yeah, that must be great. It's really great. I love, you know, I'm really happy for like, you, all super right? super into it, you know. I definitely had to put in a lot of legwork to get it, but, <laughs> uh, you know, it was worth it. It's worth it because I got to play uh, Spider-Man. That's cool, I guess. Spider-Man 2 or just the first one? I, I Spider Well, Spider-Man and the expansion pack, Miles Morales, and Spider-Man 2. I don't think you can call that an expansion. I think that counts to just be its own game. It is its own game. I think it's an expansion because it uses the same map. And also, uh, you know, uh, I'm being a little uncharitable because I hate that Miles' dad is a cop. <laughs> yeah, fuck that shit. I hate that. But uh, I played a different demo that I turned out to be uh, way more excited about called Unicorn Overlord. Unicorn Overlord. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, that's quite a title, right? Unicorn Overlord. Mixed messages. What it makes me think of is like yeah. early Newgrounds flash game title, right? <laughs> you think so? Yeah. Yeah. That's like something that you would that you would see on like on like a flash game repository website. Uh, what is the Newgrounds version of Unicorn Overlord? What does that game look like? Oh man! Well, obviously it looks like clip art. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? Um, you know those like paper dolls, flash animation. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, what was that DS game where it's like you you drew something and then it would like come to life, drawn to life. You know you or you would write a word and it, it would come to life. You mean drawn to life? I don't mean drawn to life. You mean scribble knots? I do mean scribble knots. <laughs> it was one of those two. Yeah. Uh, you know that scribble knots style. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I imagine. But you know with um like with half naked anime girls. That game kicked so much ass. Holy shit. See, I would think it wouldn't be half naked anime girls. It would be sort of like um, 
a really offensive, like bad side scrolling platformer game. Like a Maple Story, but edgy. Yeah, not even on the level of Maple Story. Like so simple, like almost like stick figure fights, like that level. Uh huh. Except there'd be like horrible fucking homophobic jokes in it. <laughs> it would definitely be a little bit racist. Either that or just like a point-and-click porn adventure. Oh, man, you're making me feel nostalgic for for the good old days of the internet. I know. Back in the computer lab in middle school, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Unicorn Overlord is not a uh, homophobic Flash game. It is, in fact, a new Vanillaware game. Uh, Vanillaware, um, I mean, I, I had heard of the various titles that these guys did i wasn't familiar that they were all connected by one studio but like they did odin sphere uh i remember wanting to play that back in the day and grim grimoire i was surprised how unfamiliar you were with the the vanillaware oeuvre you know grim grimoire odin sphere muramasa the demon blade dragon's mm-hmm. crown 13 sentinels aegis rim and now Unicorn Overlord. Those are the ones that I played anyway. There's a few more, but I think one of them was like a PSP game, and I'm not fucking around with PSP shit. But I played the rest of those because, goddamn, I love Vanillaware. Huge Vanillaware stand. Love that shit. Uh, is it just the art style? Uh, are you that? Is it just be, It's just because of the horny art? It's 99% how horny the art is. 1% how good the fucking actual game is. That's that's the breakdown. Dragon's Crown is probably the title that I'm most like recently familiar with because people were like, wow, have you seen the fucking character art for, for these characters when it came <laughs> out? And and I, you know, not as familiar with the rest of the of the studio's catalog, but Dragon's Crown in particular seems to be going to some pretty extreme places uh, with, uh, <laughs> with with how they design uh, specifically their their female characters. Dragon's Crown, uh, unfortunately, the the extraordinary hoardiness of the art kind of overshadowed how good that game is. I felt a little sad about that because it is a very fun game. It is uh, a gauntlet style four players like brawler game. Uh, with absolutely fantastic uh, level design and art. And uh, there's like a bunch of different characters in the kind of the the fantasy mode, but sort of that twisted version that shows up in a lot of like anime and manga stuff. Uh, sort of Lotus War style Japanese fantasy, which I really like, mm-hmm. except it's, it's obviously t- even a little bit more twisted because of the horniness. I mean, um, the Amazon <laughs> character in particular, I think, is is the most out there. She has like Baki-esque angular muscle <laughs> definition. Yes. She's seven feet tall and she has Baki style muscle definition. A, a bit of a curveball for George Kamitami, the, the main artist for Vanillaware. He usually draws kind of more either, there's like two women he draws, either like the, the massive titty seductress or like kind of the smaller titty like cute girl. Those are sort of his two his two modes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she she was definitely kind of uh, a new a new flavor for him. <laughs> Unicorn Overlord is a little bit toned down. It's not as horny as those games, though. You know, it it, it still has its horniness in there. It's not not it's horny. It's not not horny. Unicorn Overlord blew me away immediately, though. Like literally, it was a demo, and I played like seven hours of it straight. I could not stop playing. 
It's essentially an evolution of Fire Emblem, right? In that it's got a similar game style, but also it is insanely anime as fuck. It is so fucking anime. <laughs> you play as a, a deposed prince. Of course. Classic. Who's trying to, yeah, who's trying to reclaim his kingdom from an evil emperor. And you need to kind of spread out over these various, like, continents and reclaim, build up your rebel army and, like, reclaim your territory. And you do that by, like, engaging in sort of, like, Fire Emblem style it's not, here's the weird thing, because it's like semi-turn-based battles. You have units that you put together in your various fantasy ways. There's cavalry, there's footmen, there's uh, kind of berserkers, there's big armored knight guys, and you mix them all together to create small units. At the beginning, you can only put three guys in one unit. Uh-huh. Eventually, you can put six of them. And you deploy them on the map, and then... There is a real-time component where you have to move them around the map and you can pause whenever you want, but characters are constantly moving. And you get into these battles and that's when it's sort of a a Fire Emblem style, except instead of your characters just mushing together, auto-battler style, like in Fire Emblem, or let's say... Uh, Advanced Wars. If you're if you're on that side, of- yeah, I did. I did love Advanced Wars, uh, the first one, way back in the yeah. day. But I never got more than halfway because it was too hard for me. It gets pretty hard. I love those games too. I love Fire Emblem. Um, but it's you know you you're familiar with that kind of combat. Yeah. Yes. In this one, you have that style of combat, but instead of your characters just mashing together, you assign them very intricate. Uh, sets of moves that they will proceed to do automatically. They're the, each move that your unit has has a specific trigger, right? Uh-huh. So, like, there are moves that trigger automatically as soon as combat begins. Okay. There are moves that trigger automatically when a specific kind of unit attacks another specific kind of unit. Yeah. There are there are uh, specific triggers that happen, like if your first move is this then the next move will be this. And you set up these incredibly complex rule sets that uh, battle for you in these fights. And that's on top of like a very deep, more traditional RPG system where your characters all have classes and stats. There are so many stats. How many fucking stats do you want? Because this is... This is all the stats you could possibly need. All right, let me let me try and think up some stats. Um, sure. Well, first of all, I want to point out that that system you described, that's like basically that's gambits from Final Fantasy XII, right, where you have situational triggers that you can set up, and as your characters get stronger, uh, you have more programmable slots yes. that open up for you to, to, to give them. To eventually near the end game, it's like you can really just set up the game to play itself once you get into an encounter. Oh, and I did. <laughs> that game played itself the entire way through for me. Yeah, that's dope. I like that. <laughs> it is similar to okay. that. Uh, okay, stats. They got, uh, let me think here. Obviously, they they have to have HPs, right? They got to have the hit points. Oh, they've got HPs, baby. They got, they got uh, MPs, the mana points. You best believe it. Of course they got MPs. Okay, what about uh, equip load? 
They got weight? They do not have weight, but they do have equipment slots. Okay. Well, sure, sure. All right. Uh, f- uh, they got elemental resistance? Oh, absolutely. You All know right, let me, let's see here. Types. Electricity, air, water, fire, earth, darkness, holy, um, psychic. Darkness and holy for sure. I'm not sure. I don't think anybody's psychic in this game. Uh, <laughs> not that I've encountered yet. I only played the demo. But you've got witches in here casting magic, various types of magic spells. You've got clerics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're casting all kinds of shit. You've got uh, fire balls. You've got poison. Uh, you've got rogues who you can equip with poison daggers. All that shit, you know? I love that. Oh, it's fucking great. It's fucking great. You know, you, I want to bring up one thing that I just thought of about specifically like clerics yeah. as a class in these like JRPG <laughs> generic fantasy settings yeah, yeah, and how they're almost universally like depicted as like they're obviously not <laughs> wizards, right? But they're not like any specific like real world religion. Yes. They just kind of like... Uh, they're, they don't worship a god, they just use holy magic, right? And they work at a church, but, like, a church is just the place where the clerics hang out and do their holy magic. <laughs> yes, they tend to be, like, ascetic monks, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's a better way to put it. Yeah, they live in a cloister, they they only descend from the mountain uh, because of your, like, holy cause, otherwise they, like, deprive themselves of earthly pleasures. I, a lot of the times they're a stand-in for the, the fantasy town doctor, right? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a, a church is basically a hospital, a magic hospital. Yes, I would say in the Dragon Quest uh, style, they gen- they tend to be just straight up, like, doctors or, like, town healers or whatever, yeah. In this one, there is a specific god who they all call the father. The father. Yeah, who who seems to have a direct uh, relationship with the planet. He is represented by, like, winged angel Valkyries who are just dudes in the world. They just fly around and they're like, hey, yeah. Uh, I represent the father in in earthly form, uh, and I've got a relationship with that dude, and uh, we're, like, totally chill. Uh, yeah, God is totally real, and his magical police just walk around keeping an eye on us. They do. It's so fucked. It's so weird. But at the same time, you meet characters all the time that are like, fuck God. I don't give a shit about God. Hey, if you're real, why don't you come down and smite me? But it's like, he's obviously real. Like, look at all this shit. People are out here using holy power. Think about if God is real, then that means he's just a guy, and that means there's a lot of shit that he doesn't have time for. Right? Oh, he's busy as hell. He's doing other shit. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If God is real, then he's just like a guy, <laughs> and I have no problem telling just a guy to fuck off. Yeah, you know, this is something that they sidestep a lot by using the pantheons, the pantheon style of gods, because then you can be like, well, yeah, the gods aren't down here like, intervening in life every day because they're like they're having like weird petty infighting that they're dealing with all the time the greek model yeah exactly it's like they're always like fucking with each other so they don't have time to fuck with humans which i i also still don't understand because it's like who gave these people uh you know control over these different aspects of whatever right i think it was the titans right well sure if we're going if we're going with 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 the greek (laughs) model obviously yeah but who tightened the titans that's what i want to know i don't know 
Uh, <laughs> oh, I guess the Big Bang, right? Something like that. <laughs> I mean, right? It's like uh, the sky opened up and uh, everything was born. I mean, the Titans and gods existed, but like science was there first. <laughs> first it was science. Then science created gods. And then gods were defeated by science again. And uh, eventually in the future, uh, gods will defeat science. Which brings us back to Final Fantasy, because that's what happens. Uh, Wait, we were talking about Unicorn Overlord. Oh, right. Yeah, Unicorn Overlord is insanely dope. It's fucking incredible. Like I said, it, it works on the Fire Emblem kind of base. But like I just described, it uses these insanely deep systems to kind of usurp Fire Emblem in cool ways. And like I said, again, it's not as horny as the other Vanillaware works, uh, but, you know, there's some, um, there's, there's stuff in there. <laughs> uh, you know, I might've shown you this one before, but I'm going to, I'm going to show you uh, one of the characters, uh, idol animations. This is a, this is a typical witch. God damn, man. <laughs> That's just how she is. Uh, can you describe can you describe her for the audience well uh, what we have here is uh your classic tall hat pointy witch uh pointy uh, tall pointy hat witch uh and she seems to have uh lost her overclothes somewhere <laughs> um you know she she has uh a on a black bra and loincloth and and black uh Black leggings uh, held up by garters. Thigh highs. Yeah, thigh highs held up by garters. Um, and and stiletto heels. And eight-inch stripper heels. Yeah. Uh, don't forget her witch's staff. Yeah, of course, she has a bat staff. Can you explain what she's doing? Well, her idol animation seems to be just kind of seductively wiggling her hips from <laughs> side to side. And I'm, you know, she's putting some real, like, oomph energy in there. It's so arch. It's so vampy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's something you would expect from the mistress of the night, Elvira. It reminds me a lot of the idol animation for the sorceress from Dragon's Crown. Yes, yes. Uh, where where she's kind of swaying side to side, and and her massive breasts uh, have their own <laughs> momentum animation uh, going her, counter to her movements. Yes, I have to say, of all the massive titty anime girls, I kind of have the most affection for the sorceress in, in Dragon's Crown because it's sort of like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, <laughs> fine, whatever. They're so insanely exaggerated that you just have to shrug and go with it, right? Uh, and the lore suggests that she's actually cast a spell on herself to make her tits that big. <laughs> Which is like, you know okay, what? fine. I mean, if you were if you were a wizard, wouldn't you? Make my tits huge? Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I would. I guess I would. You're right. I uh, mean, here, here is the sorceress Here's the sorceress animation. Just describe for me yes. what's going on here. Well, she's rocking back and forth on her heels and giving us sort of a, a little bit of a, a bemused look underneath her pointy hat and her uh, beach ball sized tits, which uh, are <laughs> only held up slightly by two doilies. Um, that she is glued on. I mean, we can we can safely assume that they're held up by magic. They, they could only be held up by magic. There is no physical way to attach them <laughs> to her her pendulous breasts, pendulonic, <laughs> uh, hypnotic yes. uh, kind of undulations. Yes, and man, you know you can jump in that game. Oh yeah, you can jump. You can you can only you can just imagine what's going down. 
<laughs> in Dragon's Crown. Oh, dear listener, if you could just imagine that. Yeah, you just imagine that. You know, that's it's funny about the Vanillaware stuff. Like I mentioned, George Kamitami, the head artist and designer at Vanillaware, is so extraordinarily talented that he is one of the only people out there that I really can just straight up forgive for doing this shit. He is just supernaturally gifted at what he does. Um, so when he's like, yeah, I'm just going to be straight up horny here. <laughs> um, in other, in cases where I would usually put someone down for that, I, I can't bring myself to condemn Kamitami. I just think it's like, oh, you. <laughs> you silly. You know, the, the final versions of... You silly horny man. <laughs> the final versions of these characters that end up in Dragon's Crown don't even do the concept art justice. No, you have to see them in motion. You really have to see them in motion. Uh, 4K, uh, every piece of art in his games is just the best shit you have ever seen. I, I just, it hits me so fucking hard. Uh, I love these games. I'm extraordinarily excited. It's just funny that it hits at the same time as this Final Fantasy thing because it's another Japanese like RPG coming out. Uh, and I've just out of nowhere, I am more excited about that one than Final Fantasy VII. Uh, <laughs> I thought you, I thought you, know, you liked uh, the remake. I did. Yeah. No, I I did like it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I like it better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot better. Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. You you were just saying that you're not as excited for Rebirth. Yeah. No, I'm. Ex- I mean, I'm gonna play it i'm gonna play it immediately i would be a huge hypocrite if i said i'm not excited for it but but man i just vanilla wear is it's just such my shit <laughs> uh go check it out just it, it, do yourself a favor and just like i don't know go go look at some videos of vanilla wear games uh just just check it out or hey decide for yourself if you want to be caught playing these games <laughs> yes decide for yourself uh i have the uh, george kamitami art book somewhere and even just that just seeing his his concept art and doodles and stuff is just oh it's so good uh okay let's take a break that's enough anime for now (laughs) uh uh we'll come back and i don't know we'll talk about anime or something all right sounds good guys we talked about what people are buzzing in the in the video game world everyone's buzzing about final fantasy games jrpgs pow world (laughs) yeah it it feels a little and and i'm sure i'm gonna ruffle some feathers by saying this it feels a little un-american to me Wow, <laughs> throwing <laughs> a little bit of jingoism, a little bit of protectionism <laughs> into it, you know. But that is not not in the spirit of anime. A little bit of uh, ethno nationalism <laughs> and uh, the protectionism. <laughs> but let's talk about a little bit of cross cultural uh, exchange, breaking down those nationalist walls, right? Let's talk about the ball joint between American comics and uh, Japanese comics. 
Marvel and DC. Wow. You know, we've been, we were thinking about uh, we were thinking about that Suicide Squad Isekai cuz we're so excited for it to come out. I mean, I don't know if you had been thinking about it ambiently, but I kind of was because I did recently read an Isekai. Oh, did I tell you I was reading an Isekai? Oh god. Uh, I know. Which one? Uh, I wrote it down here. It's called Killer Shark in Another World. (laughs) Uh, This is about a girl in a fantasy world uh, where people summon creatures from other worlds. That trope. Uh Uh-huh. And all the uh, students at this school summon their own personal creature to, like, battle the demon lord with. Sure. And uh, she summons Baby Shark. That's the only thing she, she sucks at summoning, and it's, like, her last desperate attempt to summon something before she gets kicked out of school. So she summons a cutesy little shark. She summons left shark. (laughs) And uh, she's like, this is fucking useless. What the hell am I supposed to do with this? And then, and here's a left turn. This is a little weird. It kind of gives you the tone for the rest of the comic. The shark sees students making out with their creatures because most of the creatures are, you know, like suck you by or hot cat lady or all that shit. You know, that kind of thing. That took a weird turn. (laughs) It took a weird turn. I know, but here's the weirder turn. Um, It immediately has a viscerally hateful reaction to what it calls normies. It has its own thought bubble and it goes normies. So, so she summons an incel shark. She summons an incel shark. And upon reaching its own rage meter, it turns into a massive three-headed sharktopus, and it kills and eats her entire class. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. And she's terrified of it. And she tries to run away from it. But it won't stop following her around because it loves her. Okay, so it's it's an extremist variation of the my lame power is actually the strongest power genre. Yeah, sort of, except she has zero control and she's terrified of it. And she constantly is trying to convince it not to eat everything it sees. You know what that is? What? Uh, that's that's Spawn. Or not Spawn, uh, Venom. That's Venom. Uh, Yeah, kind of. Um, they reach a sort of a synthesis, though. A symbiotic relationship, if you will. Oh, God. The shark never really reaches any kind of symbiosis with her, the summoner. She's just kind of constantly living in, in fear that it will eat her. And that's just the whole comic? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that's actually, that's very funny and very, yes. very cool. It has some good jokes. I, I will, It's a little bit cringe sometimes, but it has a couple of good jokes because she keeps blundering around and at every turn she, she is like met with uh, terrible luck or she stumbles into like the army of the demon Lord. And she's like, please, please don't make the shark mad. I'm begging you, please. And they ignore it because it's baby shark, right? <laughs> and then it transforms into a three-headed sharktopus, and it kills and eats everything within like a mile radius. That's cool. <laughs> it's 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 sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's not cool. I don't know. It's a uh, weird comic. Right. Anyway, anyway, so it had me thinking about Isekai, and of course my mind turned to the Suicide Squad Isekai because Suicide Squad so hot right now. Oh, it's the hottest d- property that DC has going for him. It's so hot right now. Uh, Warner Brothers has killed basically everything in its entire catalog except Suicide Squad. Well, you know, that Harley Quinn is America's waifu. Jesus Christ. I, <laughs> God damn it. 
I hate that word so much. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, Harley Quinn is a lot of people's Oshi, you know? Uh, I know. Real big cultural impact out there. I know. It's it's wild. It really is wild how much of a cultural force Harley Quinn is. I didn't see it coming as a kid, I'll tell you that. I did. I, I totally saw that coming as a kid. You did? As soon as, as, soon as Harley Quinn made the successful jump from... And and I say this, you know, with no no amount of love whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> Harley Quinn is like wait, no love, no zero love, zero uh, love, <laughs> zero love for Harley Quinn from Batman the animated series. Well, it it is Bruce Timms. I I gotta I gotta say it again. It's his personal waifu, and explicitly so. <laughs> it's his Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> that that that's exactly what it is it is uh you know we talked about it before uh artists are massive perverts they're all perverts they become artists uh because because they have to create their their specific thing to get off to yep and that was harley quinn for bruce tim no one would want to live the life of an artist unless there was a very specific reason yeah and that reason is uh realizing their own personal sexual fantasies I, that is exactly what's going on here he said i want the joker to be a girl that i can fuck <laughs> hey and i just want to say just i uh, that sounds derogatory. I don't want it to be derogatory. Some of the greatest works of art ever have come from this exact uh, phenomenon. I was just talking about George Kamitami. He's the most dedicated pervert in all of video games, uh, and he creates stunning works of art. You, you better not hear uh, hear Yokotaro say that. Uh, he doesn't need competition <laughs> in that regard. I'm telling you, you could find. I I wouldn't even put Yokotaro in like the top five. But I don't. I don't want to hash that out. <laughs> I want to talk about Suicide Squad Isekai. Yeah. Well, it's not out yet. That. What's up with that? That's what I want to know. I know. Uh, I've been hearing about this thing for like a year now. I would personally. I would put it out right now when Suicide Squad is so hot. It's been writing off the success of the reboot movie, The Suicide Squad, featuring James the Gunn. The Suicide Squad, featuring um, Pete Davidson from SNL fame. Gotta love that. Gotta love Skeet. Gotta love that. Yep. Obviously, the Peacemaker spinoff, uh, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie, mm -hmm. and most recently, the, the big, big fucking video game that came out that I think surprised a lot of people in that it's it wasn't as terrible as they expected. I mean, that's not a good bar to be clearing. Like, you don't want your game described as, the oh, yeah, it wasn't as bad as people thought it was going to be. That's not a good foot to start on. You know, that's a lot of video games right now, though, right? <laughs> I feel like that's where we are with the video game market right now, is most people <laughs> going, oh, you should play this game. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, that's not a bad sign for the industry overall, I don't think. No, no. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Anyway, it had me thinking about Marvel and DC anime because, you know, this is far from the first. Oh, absolutely. DC anime. There's a long tradition of, of crossover from American superhero comics you know, bleeding into anime and manga adaptations. Yeah, yeah. And it, let's, let's say it's um, uh, a checkered history. At best. I mean, there's there's a lot of bad. There's some good that came it's out of it. a lot of bad. You know, I remember specifically getting very excited because of that fucking Batman Ninja, right? 
that people hyped that shit up a lot, and then it turned out to be pretty bad. You were excited about that one? Yeah, I was excited about that. I thought that was cool. I thought, like, oh, cool, like a really a really cool anime-style Batman would be great. And you know why? Because I watched the fucking Gotham Knights anime back in, I don't know, what was it? 2006. Fucking... 2006 no i think 2007 or 8 around then when the nolans were in vogue yes when nolan was really blowing it up uh and let me i just want to you know this is a fucking rogues gallery but i want to run down the participants nice. in the gotham Knights spinoff right yeah boston blackie am i right uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, that, that sounds so bad out of yeah, context Bleo, don't say that again is an old-timey radio detective it wasn't it's not a I, I i'm not gonna get into it uh he was a literally a precursor to batman uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Gotham Knights was a anthology series, a bunch of shorts about Batman or surrounding Batman's world. Uh, and just check this shit out, man. I mean, we had shorts done by Studio 4C and mm-hmm. Shinjiro Nishimi from Tekken King Crete fame. Hell yeah. We had one by Production IG, directed by Fugoshi Higashide. We had... Uh, Studio B Train, directed by Hiroshi Morioka. Studio B Train is an interesting one because I don't think they've made anything actually since this. <laughs> um, but they were a spinoff of IG. They made stuff like uh, the Halo Legends anime. Uh, remember that? Uh, I, <laughs> I sincerely don't. They made uh, Subasa Chronicles. You know, they made a couple of the dot hack uh, sign animes, including the original one. Okay, now and now we're talking. I know that. Yeah, dot hack sign was huge for a while. You know, they made a Blade of the Immortals anime that I never got around to watching, but I'm very, very curious about. I'm not gonna watch the Halo anime. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, interesting inclusion. Studio Madhouse made one. That was Yasuhiro Aoki. Studio 4C again. That was a different guy. That was Toshioki Kuboka, Kubooka, who made, uh, just notably, made the Berserk movies a little bit later uh, that I really like. I know those are controversial, but I really like those movies. And another Madhouse one, directed by Jung Sik Nam and Yoshiaki Kawajiri, who, of course, worked on Vampire D, Bloodlust, and Ninja Scroll, uh, very famously. That's a stacked cast. That's a stacked uh, production team. I know. Yeah, this is, I don't know, at at this point in history, this is a mind-boggling lineup, and they came together for Batman? Well, I I, I, I mean, I don't know. It kind of makes sense to me. Uh, I don't know why they were trying to court the anime demographic, right? Yeah, what's up with that? What the fuck? Because, like, I'm looking at this, and each of the individual stories inside Batman Gotham Knight uh, are, was written by, like, we have, we have a, uh, a David S. Goyer script in here. Oh, boy. Uh, Brian oh. Azzarello, who was big in comics at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan Burnett. Uh, so it was, like, they're the top names in comic writing and script writing surrounding the Batman franchise, uh, top animators coming together to court weebs into seeing uh, the next <laughs> Batman movie. Yeah, this is the weirdest. I honestly think this is one of the weirdest animation projects that has ever existed. Not only because 
this is the most stacked fucking thing uh, in animation history, just in terms of raw talent uh, and output, but also because it basically doesn't exist anymore. It has disappeared from like people's minds and from the internet in general. Well, you know, not too long ago, they did uh, those Star Wars um, animated segments that we talked about, but those weren't all anime. I really liked those. Well, not all of them, but I liked a lot of them. I mean, obviously the studio trigger one was the standout. Uh, The trigger one is great. You know what? Actually, no, I think there's a couple of stop motion ones by studios I'd never heard of that were maybe even better. I thought they were really good. Of of the Star Wars? Stop motion Star Wars? Yeah, stop motion Star Wars, dude. See, that's dope. You should watch those. Yeah. It's dope as hell. And just as a quick side note, uh, Pokemon Concierge season two, that confirmed. Hell yeah. More of that shit, which was very good. Yeah, so honestly, if I hadn't just randomly stumbled upon this thing, I don't know if I would even be aware of its existence. I mean, I I remember they were pushing Batman pretty hard around the time the Dark Knight premiered, right? And that's when uh, they were trying to kind of do this pan uh, cultural... Uh, you know, nerd cultural push yes. to try and comic draw. books aren't just for babies anymore. Yeah. Well, you, we're all that's like the third phase of that particular movement, right? That goes all the way back to Frank yeah. Miller and, and Dark Knight Returns. That, but in mainstream culture, the Dark Knight was like the moment where people were like, comic books are actually serious fucking business. Remember? Remember? I I remember. I remember the goddamn IMAX fucking. I was going to say demo. <laughs> the I- hey, did you see that new IMAX demo? <laughs> that IMAX demo. The IMAX, the, the pre-screening IMAX uh, trailer, like teaser thing for Dark Knight. Uh, people were buying tickets for that shit for movies they weren't even going to see just to watch the trailer for the Dark Knight. I mean, I wonder. Uh, that was serious fucking business. I, I wonder, like, I have to go back and look at the numbers because Batman Begins... Uh, was when Nolan, you know, entered the franchise. And that must have, like, yes. really blown people's minds at the time. It did. Oh, it did. Uh, and I always regretted that, that Nolan moved away from the very stylistic version of Gotham he had created in that one. And just like, oh, yeah, uh, Gotham is just, it's just Manhattan now. But, like, the cool-looking parts, <laughs> not the dirty parts. If you go back and watch Batman Begins, it's like there's some very cool world building stuff to the to the sets in there. You know, uh, like the slums in Gotham are these weird, broken down, like multi-level shanty towns. Uh, (laughs) It it was very cool. I liked it. And then and then we transitioned to the Dark Knight and and it's all super sleek, modern like downtown Chicago and Manhattan shots. Yes, I think maybe his interests strayed away from um, world building and it became a character piece, right? Yeah. I mean, people forget because of obviously Heath Ledger Joker, but like also the Aaron Eckhart Two-Face. I mean, this thing was about characters. Yes. It was about internalities. People have described it in looking back as like, I don't know, a Scorsese-esque, right? It feels like a like a mob movie more than anything else. Yes, uh, the most ridiculous fucking mob movie ever made. Yeah. 
the Godfather, but interesting to look at. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to relit- relitigate Dark Knight because I, I do like that movie. But man, the moral dilemmas that Batman faces is like some of the stupidest shit I have ever seen in a fucking movie. This is the cognitive level that that Chris, and I know Christopher Nolan like is a smart guy. Uh, I can't believe that he is a dumb man, but uh, <laughs> but I, I think that Christopher Nolan thinks that Batman is fundamentally dumb and is for dumb people, and he's not wrong. I think Batman himself, I think Bruce Wayne, is a dumb guy. I think he is a dumb guy. <laughs> no, he's not a dumb guy. He's a scientist. He's a scientist. <laughs> not in those movies. He, he's straight up a dumb guy. Uh, okay, anyway, so we're straying too far. Yeah. We're straying too far from anime. <laughs> my point being... Uh, but ca- Yeah, case in point. My point being that one of the, I guess, in my opinion, if I have to fucking preface this with ass covering, in my opinion, Batman has the greatest animated movie of all time. Really? Well, based on a comic book. <laughs> Now are you not counting <laughs> manga amongst, uh, amongst what counts as comic books? Well, they were rapidly exiting the scope of this conversation. Yeah, I, I, American comics, shall we say? <laughs> sure, we don't sure. Need to I, I get you. Hairs. I get you. I just wanted to point you out. You understand? Yeah. You just want to rankle me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so best. No, I know. Best animated film based off of an American superhero franchise. Best animated anything. Based on an American franchise. Better than Spider-Verse? Well, that's not anime. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I see. All you right. know what? You know what, though? If you want to throw down like that, uh, maybe. Wow. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. How, do you, how do you defend that one? Go watch these shorts. They're fucking incredible. <laughs> uh, and they don't have the handicap of being in 3D. All right. All right. Uh, you you enjoyed Batman Gotham Knight. I get it. You like the animation. Shit. I mean, the first short alone. Anyway, the the point being, I mean, as as you move further away from Gotham Knight, um, you end up with stuff like uh, I don't know the the Iron Man anime or the Wolverine <laughs> anime or the uh, Blade anime, and let's say they are uh, they fall a little short. Of Batman well, Gotham Knight. Those were, those were very targeted efforts by Marvel uh, of trying to penetrate into the anime sphere, right? That wasn't like a Japanese studio was like, oh, yeah, uh, I can't believe we finally got the rights to do an X-Men anime. Sure, sure. That was that was Marvel coming to them and saying, like, hey, can, can you do anything with this? Like, we obviously <laughs> can't do anything with our own shit, so, so we, maybe we you can. can't figure this out. We cannot figure this out. Uh, you, who who made those? Who who was mercenary enough that they picked up that shit? So let's see. The Iron Man series was animated by Madhouse. So that so Madhouse. Wow. Uh, did the Iron Man series and the spinoff Wolverine series, which you know I I have to point out because when we were looking up the the various art styles for these adaptations that one stood out the most to me because wolverine just from memory can you describe what wolverine looks like to me um when you say wolverine i don't know if this is me personally maybe this is just like a weird thing in my brain but i immediately go to marvel versus capcom 2 wolverine 
He seems to be the canonical Wolverine in my brain. So <laughs> we're talking about a little guy, and he's also, like, hunched down, so he's even littler. He's kind of, like, crouched in a very aggressive pose. He's chunky as hell, like, almost round. He's stubbly. He's got sort of dead eyes. <laughs> like a doll's eyes. <laughs> yeah. He's got his cl- his claws out, and they look gross. There's like a grime to him, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And he's in the classic yellow and black um, striped Wolverine costume. Gotcha. That's what I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's pretty on point. Yeah. And so, so I've sent you a couple pictures here. Uh, <laughs> describe uh, Marvel's anime, The Wolverine, to me. Now, this is in sort of a pseudo-80s style animation. So we're talking about um, it's very it, long faces. Yeah, it's right? vaguely reminiscent of like a Ninja Scroll or early Fist of the North Star style. Yes. And he has he has uh, swept back brown anime hair with the little, uh, little uh, fold over pieces. He's got he's got like a solid snake mullet is what he has going yes. on. He has a very long spiky mullet on top of that, uh, which makes no sense with the rest of his hair. It seems physically impossible. And then he has almost like British colonial adventurer sideburns that wrap <laughs> they wrap towards the bridge of his nose almost instead of to the chin uh, which and he's completely he's completely shaved below that so it looks it doesn't look like that's natural it looks like he has intentionally shaped them that way which is even more baffling he's tall he has a pretty boy look he mostly wears a black tank top in the anime now i have actually i should reveal i have watched a couple episodes of this oh really you have i have yeah uh he does not wear his suit ever and he's he's more of a standoffish kind of emo guy than he is like uh you know hey bub cigar smoking guy in the yeah not a single cigar in sight here no cigars no cigars uh no yellow suit no bubs. No mutton chops. I don't know what those things on his face are, but they're not mutton chops. <laughs> they're fucked up. I can, I can, all I can say is that they are fucked up. Now, I, I should point out that there are actually two separate attempts at uh, an X-Men-themed anime series, right? Uh, and so there's the Iron Man series and then the spinoff Wolverine one that we just talked about. Yeah. Uh, but there was a second attempt at an X-Men series later on. Uh, and and I think they actually got Wolverine uh, at least a little bit a little bit better in that one. I am not aware of that one. Yes. You can see here he does have at least more of a uh, matured facial yes. facial hair thing going on. <laughs> That is much close. Yes, he has hair antenna. He has classic anime hair antenna that droop over his face for some reason. But he does look much more like an actual Wolverine-ish type character. He's not well, hunched over. No, he's still a little too tall. A little too tall. He's still too tall. I don't know who that is next to him. Do you have even a guess as to who that's supposed to be? Oh man, I can't even. I can't even guess. I see Emma Frost. I'm going and Storm. to take a guess and say that's probably Kitty Pride, uh, Shadow Cat, with the Shinto Shrine Maiden hair. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I take it back. I have no idea. Okay, so I just found another another promotional shot of this anime featuring this character. And she has like what seems to be force field armor powers, like oh Green my Lantern God. powers. She has an energy. She has an energy mech. Yeah. 
Who yeah, the fuck is like, that? Like a, a a a bubble of of energy okay. encasing her body that she can shape. I'm starting to think this is a, a original character do not steal situation. This is the anime character that they introduced for the team. I think so. I think so. Man, why did they give Cyclops pauldrons? Uh, I mean, you got to protect your shoulders. Oh, yeah. That's his <laughs> big weak spot, right? Well, no, actually, the real reason is because uh, people don't talk about it, but shoulder pads, like 80s style shoulder pads for suits, <laughs> still big in Japan. They're top heavy over there. Usually they're in suit jackets, not exposed like that, but but sure, yeah. I mean, it, it goes all the way back to Dragon Ball Z in the uh, in in the Saiyan armor, right? Come on, you can see the you can see the connection there. <laughs> yeah, he does have a bit of a, a Saiyan look to him, I suppose. <laughs> Needless to say, this is um, a less handsome show or adaptation let's say who did this one this feels like a studio ig style kind of thing i think this one is pretty unfortunate i have to just to to be completely honest oh yeah it doesn't look good it doesn't look good at all it looks pretty bad it does not look good yeah i don't know who did that one they don't even list it <laughs> yeah i'd have my name taken off of it too uh, what else what else we got there's got to be uh, something that that is more adapted to the anime style than these these uh, weak attempts. Come well, on. I wanted to say, you know, these anime, not quite as successful there, but I do know of when they did uh, comic book to manga. I mean, this seems kind of like a no-brainer, but they do have a higher hit rate, mm-hmm. I think, in the, in the comic book to manga adaptation game. You know, we have we have some pretty great ideas, too. I don't know what it is about, like, DC and Marvel, like, letting uh, manga artists, like, off the leash more than their own in-house guys. I mean, do you have to remember that before the success of the cinematic universes, the CUs, if you will. Yeah, they were flailing around for concepts. Basically, you know, before the Disney buyout, they were they were on their way down. They, the only reason Disney even gave them the time of day was because Iron Man did so well, right? Yeah. Uh, no one saw that Ed Norton Hulk movie. That was a fucking Hail Mary for sure. Yeah. Uh, and before that, you know, it, it, comics have been on a downward spiral in America since the bubble burst, like the collection bubble burst in the nineties. <laughs> so, so I, I believe it. I believe that they were like, yeah, uh, as long as you, as long as you give us a cut, do whatever, who gives a shit what happens in Japan. Yeah. Hey, fuck it. You know, I think that there is an interesting stuff happening in the manga, like DC Marvel space that cannot happen in America for whatever reason. Can I just tell you about like a couple of these yeah. that I know about? Okay, so there's a there's a Superman manga, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's more than one, but there is one, and it's fairly recent. It's called Superman versus Meshi. Superman no Hitori Meshi, right? This is a Superman. Um, uh, what was that show that uh, you hated? That was about the guy who just went to different restaurants and bitched about the other people. Oh, um, that was the, the solitary, solitary gourmet. gourmet. Yeah, this, uh, this is the solitary gourmet, almost the exact same plot, except it's Superman instead of that little creep. Superman uh, <laughs> versus eating alone. Is that what yes. it's called? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just wa- he just wanders Japan, I assume, and he eats various like conveyor belt sushi or uh, c- curries 
or like ramens or whatever, you know? And then I guess occasionally he has to like uh, fly off and join the, the Justice League and whatever the fuck they're doing. Uh, but he's just, you know, he's just going around reviewing various indie uh, food market stores. I mean, honestly, that sounds incredibly appealing to me, more so <laughs> than any Superman comic. I know. When's the last time you got excited about a Superman book? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, OK, so outside of the solitary gourmet, which is a huge hit uh, on television yeah. in Japan, inexplicably to me, just the the eating like the food diary style comic uh, show, whatever. Yeah, is an incredibly love genre just of content over there. Oh, you see a million of them. You see a uh, million of them. Basically one in three things created as content over there is just uh, a dude going to a restaurant and eating shit and then probably complaining about it. Yes, and complaining about it. Or or sharing it with their, their hot anime girl yeah. who uh, just lives with them inexplicably. I mean, the other version is is they go to the restaurant and eat and then, like, tell a story about their life that is th- somehow thematically connected to the food. It's probably the single most popular style of spinoff. Yeah, of all popular anime or manga series. I'm, I think in particular, I'm thinking of like the fate version, which is just uh, the cast of Fate's Day Night, the original arc, just uh, shopping for food. They go to different supermarkets and they just uh-huh, talk about uh-huh. what they want for dinner that night. And so they go to different, they go to the, between the aisles and pick out ingredients and talk about the ingredients. And that's the whole thing. I think there's a, I think there's a Full Metal Panic spinoff like that, is, like that too. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, let me pitch you another one. Okay. This is probably my favorite. Uh, I have no fucking clue how this came about, right? Um, but this one's called Joker One Operation Joker. <laughs> uh, Joker colon One Operation Joker. This one's kind of become notorious. This is about Batman accidentally de aging. He, <laughs> he somehow. He, get Benja- he gets Benjamin buttoned. He gets Benjamin buttoned into a baby. And uh, Joker is stoked, right? Because he's like, I could kill a baby. But when confronted with... <laughs> that seems within my, my wheelhouse. I could probably do uh, that. I have the ability to kill at least one baby. Yeah. Uh, but when, he, when the time comes for him to slay a child, a small baby, innocent child, uh, he can't do it. He can't bring himself to do it. Instead... He is overwhelmed by the cuteness of Bruce Wayne's babiness. And so he takes it upon himself to raise uh, his arch nemesis back into a crime fighting man. (laughs) We have various uh, encounters like Joker trying to feed baby Batman in public and getting annoyed that people are giving him strange looks. We have him trying to enroll baby Batman in uh, kindergarten. We have baby Batman in a baby Bjorn. (laughs) Okay. It's pretty wild. So my biggest question here then, because I I guess if you think about it, there's no reason for the Joker to assume that Batman's parents are dead. And so essentially, right? You don't think so? You You don't think he knows? Do you think he knows? I think Joker is at least ambiently aware that a guy like Bruce Wayne doesn't have parents. Yeah. 
I think he kind of knows. Well, the Joker doesn't know Batman is Bruce Wayne, though. That's that's a secret. Okay, well, let's say in this universe, he definitely does. Okay, uh, okay. Even starting from there, even starting from there, in in that case, he has to realize that Batman's parents die then to make him Batman. You can't raise Batman back into being Batman. Like, you need a dead parent. What if baby Batman has locked-in syndrome, like (laughs) diving bell and the butterfly, (laughs) and he's completely aware of himself? He's conscious of it, but it's buried deep inside baby version, and he just, all he can really do is, like, watch in horror as this unfolds the implications of of everything you're setting up here are (laughs) are absolutely horrifying to consider oh they're they're deeply disturbing so i mean does batman grow to like his foster joker uh parent i mean doesn't batman kind of like the joker i'm thinking back to killing joke you know the conclusion we reach at the end of killing joke isn't that they kind of love each other. They're in love with each other. Isn't that what Killing Joke is about? Uh, I, I thought Killing Joke was about how cool the Joker is and libertarianism or something. I don't know. I only <laughs> know about Joker. I only know about the Joker from Twitter. Uh, I, uh, who knows? Maybe. I mean, hey, look, we can all have different reads. There's, there's. Listen, there's, I don't <laughs> care what Alan Moore says. The, the Killing Joke is about libertarianism. <laughs> To me, the killing joke is about how much Batman and the Joker love each other and want to be with each other forever. <laughs> All right, let, <laughs> let, let's switch. Let's switch gears here. We've talked about Batman to death at this point, uh, but there's got to be some other like mainstream American figures that have penetrated into the into the anime space, right? Oh, sure, of course. Well, the, obviously, the biggest one is Spider Man. Yeah, Spider Man's huge over there. They love him. Spider Man is huge. There's multiple Spider Man manga. Not just that, like there's the whole Spider-Man Sentai show from from television in the 70s. Yes. Which if you ever watched any of those episodes, they are hilarious. Not quite Italian Spider-Man, but Japanese Spider-Man is still good. Uh, he it, And it goes full on like uh, Ultraman. Like he he turns into a giant Spider-Man multiple times to fight Kaiju, like destroying the city. Yes. Now, it's interesting that they have to be big. <laughs> in, in the Japanese Spider-Man because I mean American Spider-Man he fights monsters he fights monsters all the time uh, but they never get that big they get that big sometimes not all the time though who, who gets that big because I mean he fights Killer Galactus he fights Killer Croc all the time and Killer Croc is a, is basically a kaiju he's just small he's a small kaiju is that what you're saying he's a very small kaiju okay then what about what about Galactus Galactus is very big He's bigger than the planet. I I mean, I don't want to get into comic book stuff, but I don't consider Galactus. <laughs> I think it's a little too late for that. <laughs> I don't think Galactus is one of the uh, Spider-Man villains. I don't really count him. I think of uh, Doc Ock. I think of Killer Croc. I think of Electro. The Rhino. Rhino, for sure. Scorpion. Rhino is a mech suit in, the, in that Spider-Man game. Yeah, him and Scorpion actually kind of like fused into their suits which is horrifying to think about. Yeah, I don't like that. He can't actually take it off, which is, I don't know, that's really fucked. Uh, you know, there there was that 60s Spider-Man manga. Uh, that's where the real popularity started, which, you know, <laughs> uh, when we were, I just want to take a quick aside here to talk about that, that uh, Spider-Man manga cover that we found when we were oh, looking up yes, here. Yes, yes. Yeah, this is my, my favorite 
Spider-Man drawing ever, maybe, because of how uncomfortable it makes me. <laughs> Just, uh, please, tell, tell the people about it. So, Spider-Man the manga, and I believe, if I remember correctly, this is mid-90s, maybe 95, is an official Marvel uh, release in Japan. I think it literally is just called Spider-Man the manga. Yes, that is correct. Now, the original issue cover is Spider-Man, of course, standing (laughs) facing the camera. He's holding a rose for some reason. And instead of the traditional kind of like Spider-Man suit where it's, you know, he's got a little bit of a muscle, but it's mostly like smooth right everything's Mm -hmm. pretty smooth you don't see a lot of definition this one is uh basically painted on you can see every every wrinkle every ripple of the human body is represented we see the the contours of his nose his his mouth his chin they're all raised through the mask his 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 nipples show through this costume. <laughs> his spider bites you could clearly see uh his his cum gutters <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. you could see you could see his dick in this costume and not like you can kind of tell it's it's just there in your fucking face now you pointed out uh this is essentially spider-man in the in the uh david pose the famous uh, sculpture. I mean, it's not essentially that. It is a tracing of the statue of David with the Spider-Man textured on <laughs> to the surface, uh, like a video game. Yeah, like somebody painted the suit onto the statue of David, uh, which is uh, fucking hilarious. Somebody please do that. Uh, <laughs> do that in real life. You know what? Uh, I think that in this day and age, we really need to bring back art crimes, you know? Uh, famous paintings and shit were always getting stolen and recreated and and smuggled in the 1900s, 1850s, whatever. Uh, We need to go back to that. That shit's cool. Oh, I was thinking defamation. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's part of it. That's part of it. Yeah, just a really hard disfigurement of of public arts, which uh, I think is making a big comeback. Yeah, going back to this Spider-Man cover here, I think the worst part of it for me is the definition on his facial features. Yes, it's horrifying. Because if I'm looking at this correctly, uh, it looks as if the costume actually is a texture applied directly to his skin and therefore curves up into his nasal passages. <laughs> yes, like, it does. Like, he just has this painted onto his face. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not exaggerating there. It's fucking horrifying. Go go look up the 1995 Spider-Man the manga and look <laughs> at the cover uh, it's great. It's fantastic. Equally horrifying. I'll just say this just because it's on topic. Equally horrifying is the other Spider-Man manga I want to point out. This one is called Spider-Man Octo Girl. Now, I wonder what 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 does that conjure when you think <laughs> of Spider-Man Octo Girl? Just that title. Well, uh, you know, right off the top of my head, it makes me think that it obviously has something to do with with Dr. Octopus. Yeah, it would be weird if it didn't. And, and a girl. And a girl. Uh, so, so I'm assuming since this is a manga, it's probably a schoolgirl of some kind. And so maybe Dr. Octopus's daughter? Is that what we're talking about here? That would be interesting if Doc Ock had managed to uh, procreate before. I think his wife died of, like, cancer or something. Something like, something like his that. His wife died of being married to Dr. Octopus. Yeah, I mean, that is a bummer just straight up. Uh, basically the same reason um, Harry Harry Osborn's mom died. 
yeah. <laughs> uh, because she needed to die for the story to happen. That's why. Yeah, yeah. And also being married to that dude is such a fucking bummer. Norm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd Norm. die too if I was married to, married to Willem Dafoe. Norm Osborne. What a fucking asshole. Norm. No, yeah, that's how I see it play out in my mind. Uh, unfortunately, no. Spider-Man Octogirl by the creators of My Hero Academia Vigilantes, the Boku Hero Academia spinoff. Boku Vigi, yeah. Yeah, is about... Now, this is this was something we described as Isekai adjacent, the de-aging uh, genre. Dr. Octopus uh, essentially falls into a coma because Spider-Man punches him so hard uh, <laughs> that he wakes up in the body of a middle school girl in Japan. I don't like that at all. Now, now we have Dr. Octopus, uh, Otto Octavius, <laughs> is now a Japanese middle school. Sorry, schooler. it's just a very stupid name. Otto Octavius. Yeah. Marvel does, I honestly, I think Marvel has better names than DC, just in general. Uh, the alliteration and all that shit, I, I just, I think it's better for comics than than the DC approach. Sure, sure. This is unacceptable. <laughs> you can't do this. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to call the cops. I, it raises a lot of questions uh, that maybe they cover in the comic, but like, okay, so Doctor Octopus is now a a Japanese schoolgirl. Yes. Uh, does Spider Man know this? Does he fight the little girl? Uh, does she have a life previous to being possessed by dr octopus does he have to pretend to be a little girl the hook is so strong you you already have to know you're desperate to read this now the cover is the only thing i can go off of uh but it does show that a uh, little girl Otto octavius first of all does have a little Gigi companion because <laughs> of course of course he does mm-hmm, he she mm-hmm. how do we how do we pronoun high school girl Otto? Yet another oh, mystery. Oh, I don't want to get I don't want to get into the implications of that. <laughs> Yet another mystery of this comic, but we do see her little traditional roll top uh Japanese schoolgirl backpack mm-hmm. has the Octavius traditional Doc Ock robot arms coming out. Okay. So I have to imagine she is up to he she th- they are they are yeah, they. up to they are up to some traditional Doc Ock shenanigans at some point. Uh, because it is a manga, uh, I do have to assume they are they are stopping crime because you know it's one of those twists like that. But there is clearly some some shit going down. Let me let me put it this way: if this is in fact, if this is a comic that shows Spider Man punching an eight year old girl, <laughs> uh, it is automatically the greatest work of Spider Man fiction that's yes. ever that's ever been created. I. I I absolutely agree 100%. If <laughs> if we see Spider-Man beating up a middle school girl, uh, this is the best thing ever made. <laughs> and I say that, I love Spider-Verse. Made. I love both of those movies. Uh, I, I, I liked the PS4 game that we were talking about, but, <laughs> but it did not let me punch little children as Spider-Man. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't have to install any mods, uh, just straight to little girl punching. And let me be clear. Let me be clear. In the comic book. Just want to be clear about that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. That is that is anime Marvel, anime DC. 
unfortunately, it seems like maybe the only good thing that has ever come out of this collaboration is Gotham Knights. Possibly Spider-Man punching a little girl. Either Spider-Man punching a little girl or the the incredible Gotham Knights uh, lineup. Rudder up, I would give to, obviously, Joker, colon, one Operation Joker, because uh, being a single dad is hard especially if you're a supervillain. Man, that's the that's the story that Christopher Nolan should have adapted. I'd watch the hell out of a three-hour-long, super serious Oppenheimer-style <laughs> uh, 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 movie about the Joker raising a, a baby Batman yes. to grow up and be Batman. A, a gritty meditation on, on uh, single fatherhood. On fatherhood and masculinity. Yeah, yeah. But about... The Joker and a tiny Bruce Wayne. And a tiny baby Batman. Yes. You know, I'm not a hater of Christopher Nolan like uh, like a lot of people uh, are these days. Uh, but I do not think he has the chops to pull that off. Uh, no, no. You have a... Uh, he has a fundamental level of professional respect that he has to maintain uh, in the world and <laughs> and any misstep on his part in the process of making that particular story would be instant doom for him forever oh it would be, it would devastate his career uh, so i don't i don't blame him for not for not being <laughs> the innovative genius that people make him out to be uh, but but he could start taking steps in the right direction by by making this story that, that's all i want to say that's it Thank you. You know, I don't, we don't have to get into it. I just, uh, just really quick. I would nominate Sean Baker, the director of the Florida project. I think he would do it justice. Oh yeah. I think he would really knock it out of the park. People would finally get that Willem Dafoe Joker they've been wanting. Oh yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You could finally stop fan casting him. He would get the fucking job done and Joker would win a third fucking Oscar. Oh, shit. Think about that. Think about oh, that. Oh, we can go three for three, people. Three for three, people. Because you know Leto's never going to pull it off. He's never going to. He's never getting back in there. He's never uh, going to pull No it matter off. how many dead rats he mails out. Exactly. Okay, people. That's that's your anime for the week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we sincerely apologize. Yes, I'm, I'm so sorry. The, the only manga I can recommend you besides one Operation Joker is uh, the George Kamatami art book. I think that is uh, legitimately spectacular. Uh, next time, I'll, I'll try to give you something else. Don't read Killer Shark in Another World. I know <laughs> maybe a couple pages, but that's all you need. Dextique, I'll give you something legitimate to read. How about that? I'll make that promise to you. All right, sounds good. I've got, oh. I've got something I'm cooking up for next week, so, so stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned, okay, people. Okay, good, good. We might actually have a good episode next week. Uh, I'm not promising anything, though. Uh, it is our, our, our one-year uh, milestone coming up, so uh, it would be good to get at least one in there, you know, one good F1. We'll finally have one good episode. That would be <laughs> great. It took a year of practice, but we're finally going to deliver. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, All right. Go check us out on, on TikTok. Follow us on, uh, on Twitter. Uh, we post the TikToks there occasionally. Yeah. Check out Blue Sky if you can get in. It's it's actually open registration now, so people can get in. Oh, so it's not cool anymore. Yeah, it's not cool anymore. It's for losers. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, go on there and follow us. It would be nice. Uh, all right. Uh, beautiful and handsome listeners. Uh, anime, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, bye. bye.
point where he's like catfishing his own wife. <laughs> 